1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of RevCovery. Really excited to be able to share with you today our interview with Harold Durrell Briscoe. It is just an honor to be able to talk with him and to be able to just hear his story. Durrell is a great example of somebody who has resilience and has just continued to reinvent themselves. And honestly, one of our few guests that is still in the religion game. Uh, he is still a pastor, still doing things in his community. And uh, we thought his perspective was so very important to bring in that, you know, there is a way to do this rev thing in a way that is generative and the way that is good and the way that is sustainable. And so we are very excited to be able to share our conversation with him. Just wanted to note, if you want to join the conversation online via Discord, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash revcovery. That'll get you some uh, access to that as well as some other things. And uh, we would love to have you support us. If you can't support us monetarily, totally understand. Share this podcast with a friend. Share it with somebody. Slip it to them in the dead of night if they're not quite ready to admit that they're thinking about recovery. But as far as you can, uh, share this podcast. It's a great conversation. And I look forward to hearing from you about it. Hi, friends. It's so good to be together for another episode of Recovery. Today, we have with us uh, one of my actual friends. No, uh, but seriously, one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world. I call you Dr. Durrell, but Durrell Briscoe, who is still in the pastorate, <laughs> one of my, uh, someone who I met through, we first met during the pandemic online yeah. because we were in they a sure group did. of pastors who just like, just were going WTF. How do we, how do we, we do didn't know this? what to do. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Every yeah, week we, did. no, we um, have no idea what to do. And yeah. out of that, I've gotten some of my favorite people and uh Darrell was one of them. So Darrell, I'm so excited for Justin to meet you and for our audience to meet you. You have been such an encouragement to me and just I don't know, you're just a joy. So I'm excited for this. So how oh, long cool. thank you for having me. Of course. How long have you been or were you in ministry? Uh I kind of I count two phases phases of ministry for me. I was in local and state government working in public policy, working in traditionally disinvested communities. Across Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. That's where I'm from. I'm from, I'm from Florida. And uh, that was ministry. Uh, I, it was a it was my calling. It was beautiful and heartbreaking and all at the same time. Full-time ministry at a church. So that I did that for about six years at, in lo- local government, state government. And were you and volunteering at a church during that time? Because I think I remember you were super yeah, involved. Yeah, I was a janitor. I was a, I was a janitor. I was a janitor. I was a Saturday night janitor. Yeah, and then full time ministry uh, at a church. I, it's been 11, uh, 
oh gosh, I hate, do I hate when people do this? Like, dude, you know the number, but th- th- 12, 12 years, thir- uh, after 12 years, 12 <laughs> years. Yeah. I, I do that too, because there's like, okay, does I, like, this count? Dude, does this count? Yeah, that counts, it, but yeah. And I'm, a, I'm Justin, I'm like a historian. I'm not really good with numbers. I'm really, I'm more of a, the writer, but yeah. I'm you're, like, you're oh a narrative gosh, like, and that's the incredible thing about you. And why I was so excited to bring you on because you are not only someone who has served in the local church, you've served in government spaces. You've written an incredible book called There's a Storm Coming that's really about, well, it's really There's a Storm Coming, about this idea of like racial justice within the church and understanding our not so great history and how we can move forward. I mean, you really, you got in the thick of it. You you were like a really conservative Christian for a while or part of a community. I was. Yeah, yeah I was. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about Hardcore that? Hardcore evangelical he hardcore evangelical card carrying George W. Bush Republican vibe went to the George Bush school, uh, not baby baby Bush, but Daddy Bush H. W. Uh, down in College Station, Texas at A uh, and M. Yeah, that transition, Sarah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, it, it, I, I, I tell my, it, but I, I, it was it's interesting because I I went in phases. Like I grew up in a very conservative household. Dad was super conservative politically, theologically. Then I get to college, I start taking courses in history, civil rights movement. And then I, and then Hurricane Katrina, that completely changes, that literally started to change my politics. I'm like, how, how in the hell did all them black people die? Yeah. What? Yeah. It, it, all people in general. Right. But, but out of 1,830, out of 1,833 people, majority of them were, 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 were black. And, and so you're like, so my, that was like, wait, something ain't right. And then, yeah, I mean, then just, you know, working in the hood, working in these, these places. But then I get to this conservative church. So, cause I'm, I'm in ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm living it up downtown Baton Rouge, working in the community. And then my senior pastor, the church I was at, serving at, I'm sorry, that I went to during undergrad in Jacksonville, Florida, calls me up and he says, Hey, uh, this girl, Tracy Strong, she started a little young professionals group. There's a lot of promise. Tracy Strong, I knew her. She's now Tracy Briscoe, my wife. That's a, That's <laughs> another story that I get excited about. But here's the thing. They call, but, but Sarah, here's the thing, Justin, they called me because Yes, they were. They they've always been impressed with me, and I'm sure I had a, a good track record when I was an undergrad. But they didn't allow women in leadership, oh, so they wanted a man to be the the covering over the woman. <laughs> you were Tracy. They brought covering? me in to take my. Oh my. Gosh. No. Yes. No. For real. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so like it was. She was like my. You know, I was the head, and I obviously when I got there, I was. I've always been more egalitarian in nature. I am egalitarian, and. I've always like, I'm like, man, we're a good team. But I was nervous because I was like, oh, like, they just basically want me to take over because I'm the dude. Huh? Yeah. And she built the ministry. Anyways, so I was a part of that church for for about five and a half years. I would say what started to, so my my, 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 my politics started to become more a bit more progressive earlier than my theology. But it, it was Emmanuel AME in Charleston that really... It just changed everything for me. I drove there two days after the shooting. I was there when Obama was there, all the news. And I, I get back home and I kid you not, I started, I, I, I wanted to talk about it at two by young professionals group. We were about 200 people. It was a very large group. It was a big, it was a big church. And me and the lead pastor is like, Hey, what, what are you talking about? Why are you, I heard you're talking about racism. Like, why are you going to do that? I'm like, <laughs> how many nine people just got shot and get like in the yeah, church like what? why would we not why would we not but then that's when i started seeing the pattern of silence 
And as I figured that out, I started reading authors that could like that that spoke to that. And that's when my I think my theology changed quite 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 a bit. This is 2014, 2015. And then you obviously you end up dating Tracy, which is a great story. Um Yeah, I did. Yeah. And she, and, yeah. and then you guys sort of had this, you know, you're a team and Gosh, you've got yeah. to figure out how do we what do we do in this environment? And had you already decided you were gonna to go to grad school or how did that all work out? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how much time you got, sister? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. It's, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a little part-time job as an adjunct professor at my alma mater two, three years into my ministry career. And it was in teaching public policy, teaching public management. So that was super cool. And after that, I realized, ooh, there's a, I think a bit of a love here, a, a spark here for academia, higher ed. It's like, I, if I'm going to do this uh, ministry thing, I, I better get educated in it. And so I started the, that track record. I went, I, I went down that path. And when I did that, the folks in my church grew, grew real suspicious of who I was reading and what I was learning. And it created a, quite a bit of tension, unfortunately, with the senior leadership. I didn't really realize that until like, you and I were hanging out one night having dinner. And I remember you saying that you got called in for like, are you reading these books? Like, are yeah. you, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? James Cone and yeah. Maisha Jr. and Christina Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. It was really risky yeah. to your, yeah. to your leadership. And so then you had to kind of decide, okay, am I going to keep going forward with this? So how did you, what was the breaking point for you within evangelicalism? Did you choose it or did they choose to exit you? <laughs> did you and Tracy get? Yeah, I heard that. Because one of my favorite things in the world is that Tracy will tell me, she's like, I'm new to this progressive thing. I'm into it. But like, it, she's totally new to it. So I just am so fascinated by people who make that transition whilst in the midst of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did we, how did we, it, it's, it's interesting. We, I think for me, I realized that there was no, I would never have a seat at the table. Hmm. So I think evangelicalism prizes itself on tokenism. Oh, okay. I think the same can be said with 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 pro- certain pro- progressive oh yeah progressives as well. But but not, but but there's this great delight in having a black face or a brown face that is proximate but palatable to the dominant culture and, and ethos. But the moment that face starts to exercise his or her God given voice. The voice then becomes too costly. And so my face, I realize my face is welcome, uh, a valued, sought after, but my voice will never align with the fundamental values of the institution. And so you have to be silent. And once I, I, I just realized I couldn't be silent. And then you headed into, you got your uh, demon first, right? And that's what you got at Duke? Yep, yep. I got my demon at Duke, which and, is funny. And, and a now demon doing... at Duke. Think about that, guys. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh like, boy. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's my dad loves that joke. Clarify the clarify the terms for all those that are right. Like, got a demon right. doctorate in ministry. <laughs> right. Yes. right, right. And what no, was no, your what was your emphasis of study? Because there was like this shift where you left Florida. Did you leave that? Was that the church that had like a suspect of you getting more educated? Was that the church that was like, or was that one? That one was in. Louisiana. That was in Jacksonville, Florida. And okay. then we came up to an e- a large evangelical church in the Triangle area in Raleigh, okay. where I served as the campus pastor at. Okay. So, yeah. So, Giant Church, 10,000 people. I'm the campus pastor of the largest location in Raleigh, in the heart of the Raleigh, the Triangle area. Uh, six, uh, five, four or five services a week, 
5,000 people just at that campus. I am the face of it. But this is also coincides with Charlottesville, Keith Lamont Scott, me writing my dissertation at Duke. Duke. So, oh my gosh, the internal, like the psychological toll it took to not only code switch, Mm. but to theology switch, politics switch, to an extent, right? I mean, because as a black body in a predominantly white space like that, 10,000 people, you're you're not j- just proximate, but in order for you to be proximate, you have to be patrolled. Oh, uh-huh. Meaning the antennas are a little bit higher up dealing with you. So I had – so the psychological toll Ugh. of pressure it took to play the game and to be the happy Negro – uh, it, it, it was, guys, it was one of the most exhausting things I've ever experienced. Again, I, I understand a lot of folks in the, around the world going through a lot, going through hell yeah. and be like, dang, I'd, I'd love to have a nice fat check and 5,000 people, you know, loving me and seeing me on stage. But I'm telling you, I, I, I wasn't able to be who I, I am. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have a voice. I mean, you were, you were your face, what? which is great, but if. Thank you. I've been uh, exfoliating. Stop it. <laughs> um, I have. I'm, I Tracy got me some John Legend toning mist. Of course. Oh, I love it. She's like, she's like, oh, baby, you got that little reddish brown tint to you. I really like. So I'm just trying to, like, trying to polish. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, so the other thing about John Legend here. This is just <laughs> a total <laughs> side note that I think is one of my favorite things about you. And I think it makes sense within this. You have already always been so many things and a dichotomy mm. in It's wonderful Mm. and some of it's painful, right? Because you were Mm. existing within white spaces predominantly, you you use the term code switch, but you're also Mm. like an academic who you're one of my only friends who competes in powerlifting. Like you are literally Mm. and you you and your core I mean, you love your fast cars. Like you're just and it's old. And I got into DJing. Now you're doing this makes this makes total sense (laughs) to me. Meanwhile, you are an academic through and through who loves to yeah, read and some, is so fascinating, yeah, yeah. but there's all these layers to you. And I mm. think not all of you was allowed in a room. Uh, yeah. Not only allowed, actively shut down. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Darrell, we don't need a civil rights pastor. We need, we, we, hey, Darrell, just stick to the Bible. Hey, Darrell, all those other interests and everything, Darrell, that, that's, that's, just, that's just not a tradition. That's not a, you're not a real pastor, yeah. Darrell. We want, not you a real, just, we want you to stick to the theology, not the, you know, not the, ethnic theology or whatever they want to call it like as as though there right. is not a white yeah. theology that's, as, yeah. that's just as biased that's, quote unquote of course uh, yeah it's this yeah. yeah right that yeah justin that that universalism that uh, objectivity or whatever that they, yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah, we, exist and, all yeah. theology is behind is, is embodied i mean even if you want to go yes. incarnational with it right. there's no way yeah. to right. do theology not embodied right yeah so right. in and when yeah. White folks don't acknowledge that. It's like, yeah, then everything is a is a, a biased theology, like all oh, feminist mm-hmm. theology is biased, or whatever. Yeah, you know, all stuff. But, yeah. you know, black liberation theologians are biased. Like, well, they're honest about their biases. Like, mm-hmm. of course, you know, mm-hmm. of course, your experience influences. Yeah. It should. Like, so many of the folks in our community say, you know, might not have your experience, but they have a similar experience of I noticed something, and I couldn't let it go. Like I experienced something and that was, what's created a shift in me. And there are Mm. so many, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, theological police out there 
that are like, nope, experience, tamp that down. Like we have yeah. to we have to maintain the status quo. And so many people reach that point. And, you know, again, adding the racial component to it, adding so many other layers. Yeah, I can imagine the level of stress that you're under trying to just mm -hmm. just make a paycheck every week. Because mm -hmm, you have how many kids did you have at that point? Oh, my gosh, at that point. And she Justin forgot forget uh, moving up to that church with two kids under two and eight months pregnant. Yeah. Have the baby three months into the job. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, have the baby. Kid you not. Five and a half months later, pregnant again. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> what is in the water? I don't know. They two like, you just make children. Fertile. And they're so cute. Yo, I'm like, this is rich. And I was like, and she, you know, she's, she's older than I am. Not, but, but I mean, not, I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but like, it's it just like, it's not like it's, yeah. it's not like she's like 22. Yeah. And I'm 20, 20. Like, it's like, yo, we're like older. Yeah, I'm going to be, I just, think my last graduation party for my kids, I think I'll be 55. Yeah, he had yeah. a, he, he had an <laughs> sure. older one too that yeah. slid in, slid yeah. on it there. Just, you know, came in right, <laughs> right. There at the end. So you so have these busy, kids man. and you're in this church. It's hard, yeah. I would love to know, because we've never really talked about this, Justin. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, because I don't have children, how having kids when you feel separated from the community, like, do you start to notice the things that you used to be able to sweep under the rug? Like, your kids are going to grow up in a space like that. It, is that, does that weigh in at all? Like, are you asking about, like, the space? The disease, like the disease yeah. is part, it's part of like this kind of the, the water, the wave yeah. in the water. Cause you're like, I always say like, for me, I can exist in spaces so often because I'm so used to it mm -hmm. that I don't really start to question it until I bring other people into it. Does that make sense? Like it's it's my crazy space that doesn't make sense to people. But like once I bring someone in, then it I listen to the messaging in a different way. And I would imagine if you had birthed that thing, that thing was part of you. I, you don't want it to be affected. I don't know. I just is that yeah, part of the say, shift. Having kids for me at least did like, you know, when I was part of churches that weren't, you know, LGBTQIA affirming, I was like, well, that's not how I'm gonna raise my kids. And also, you know. I had a really vested interest in making sure that we vetted our volunteers really well, you know, which a lot of churches sadly don't. So, yeah, it does. There are impacts there, but I, I guess I can just say this. I was glad to leave and glad to not have that pressure to be like, oh, you know, your daughter was in Sunday school today. It's like, well, that's because she doesn't like it and I don't make her go. <laughs> what about you, Darrell? Was it was that part of the was that part of the final rub? Because a lot of it's fascinating to me how many people a, they say kind of our our final eye opening, all of this is going, racial issues have been going on forever. I don't know why I'm telling you this, the historian, um, but it, mm -hmm. it, it got too loud. And the number of people that were saying that doesn't have anything to do with church when clearly it has everything to do with your theology and your understanding of all that. Like as you're in that, you've got the shift going on. Then you've got kids that it, that did that weigh in at all. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. Um, it, you start, it's like you imagine, you want to imagine a world that's better off for them than it is for you at the moment. Yeah. Mm. And if I don't take intentional steps to work to create said world, then we're just going to get wrapped up, tied up in the gravity well of of, of the status quo. And so I'm like, I, I got to show my kids something different. 
Yeah. And so that looked like a bunch of that looked like a lot of trips to Durham instead of you know hiding out in Cary, you know, where right where the church was. I mean, we're we're going to Durham. We're going to Black August in the park. Right? We're going to we're going to Central Games. We're hiring babysitters from North Carolina Central University. I love it. So these little blonde little white girls from Holly Springs. So it's just it's yeah it's stuff like that. I don't, I'm rambling now. I don't know. No, you're not rambling no. at all because I think it's part oh, it's of good. it. The the shift that's happening within you. And so how did you how did you leave that? Because a lot of people in our community have had that where their paycheck's great, it's stability. They they've got you know that sort of thing because that can affect too like the kid thing, right? Like I got to pay for my kids. How how did that final break from that come? Because that is not the kind of pastor you are anymore. The, yeah, what was the what was the catalyst? Like, did you exit or did they ask you to exit? Oh, no, I exited. Yeah. No, we were certainly having tension very clearly in both in both churches, the one in Jacksonville, Florida and the one in Raleigh. But it got to the point where I, I, I said, I, I, I have to I have to move on mm-hmm. for the sake of my physiological well-being. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I said, I, I'm, 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 I'm resigning and I'm leaving to plant a church in Durham. And then you planted a church in Durham and then you became, were you already part of the Methodist system or did it? Nope. They it just, was, we were, too, we were non-denominational for two years. Okay. No denominational support at all. No. That is, wow. that is so brave. <laughs> like, I like I call, people who yeah, are just like, yeah. I'm quitting this, but I still believe that I'm supposed to do this thing. Meanwhile, you're in grad school. You have three children under the age of five. And then you you already had the fourth. And yeah. how, how, I'm sorry. I'm just going to skip to the end here. How many kids do you have now? Four. They figured Four, it out. Two boys, two okay. boys, two girls. They okay. figured out how it How about you, happening. Justin? All right, I have Justin, three. How about you? I have three. Yeah, three. What's their ages? Uh, they are ten, seven, and two. Yeah, man, I'm right there. Yeah, uh, uh, nine, seven, six, four. Yep, yeah, right there, man. I'm right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah it, 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 it No, I mean, I, you, I, I called four hundred and twenty-seven people. You just called and people. I, and I sure did. I sure did. Went through. Wow. I, I worked as a janitor. Work a uh, cleaning office park in, down in Cary, off of 287, little office building at night. Mm-hmm. I said, but it was like I got struck by lightning because I had a conversation with Dr. Soon Chan Ra. I, I think I told you about this, Sarah, where, where I'm, I, I was, I, I read his books and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. And he's talking to me. I email him, no response, email him, no response, email him, no response. Finally, the fourth time, he's like, hey, here's my number, call me. Oh my gosh, my theological hero. Like, I get yeah. a cell phone number. I call the guy, we have a 30 minute conversation. I just, I, I just, I, I, let it out. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm like, Dr. Rod, these white folks tripping, Dr. Rod, I don't know what to do, Dr. Rod, I'm going crazy. Yeah. All these things. And he's like, Durrell, he said, he said, stop, Durrell, can I stop you? I was like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> he says, Durrell, I understand. And I, I understand your, your pain. I get the frustration. You're, are, you are mad because they brought you here to have a seat at the table. They, for that reason, they, they want, they needed you as a young black face, whatever. You thought you had a voice. You thought you had a seat at the table. He's like, Darrell, at some point, instead of being angry at the seat that you don't have, you might need to start building a new table with new chairs. Yeah. Chairs that prioritize values of justice and inclusivity and, and, and mercy and compassion and, and the neighborhood. So you're going to have to create that building yourself. It was, I got struck by lightning when he said that. Oh. And that's why I was like, oh, shoot. I'll come hell or high water, we're going we're, we're gonna to get this church off the ground. We're going to do this. Nice. That's, That's what cool. happened. And it's so yeah. fun because you're like 
it's so fun for me to come visit you because we'll just go to places and there's always someone who knows you or knows no, or knows. No. Yeah, that's true. Or knows of you or knows of your community. It That's so it's neat that cool. like, even though it's not this yeah. huge thing, to me, it's no, having even more no, impact. No, 50 people. Yeah, I know. But we're in the community. We just forged a new partnership with Durham PD, hosting quarterly discussions and dialogues on police brutality in Durham, police officers in Durham. We just had our first meeting th- uh, three weeks ago. We had 45 people there. People in the community. It was beautiful. We just did our, our, our second arts collective where we spotlight black creatives in Durham at a bar uh, in, in, in downtown. And we had this cat named Goldman who was a rap artist. He performed. This is two weeks ago. It was beautiful. It was love. You know, we do a lot of stuff in the community that we partner. We have another wonderful partnership with two other congregations that share our building. We're on the move, man. And, and it's not like it's like, like, oh, yeah, I'm just grateful just to be in the hood and just be in, and be connected to the community. And that it's just it's beautiful. In one of our recent interviews, they were talking about how like transformation is relationship. And it's not about building platforms. And I think you're someone mm. who had a very big platform and mm. it wasn't mm-hmm. doing what you were hoping for it to mm. do. And so you stepped away and found a way to make a, almost a bigger impact on a smaller scale. And I just think that's, I think so many people wish that was possible, but it's come at great cost. You're right. You were a janitor while you were doing this. Yeah. You were in grad yeah, school course. while you were doing this. Well, I graduated at that time. Before, you were already, uh, you already had your MDiv? Oh, your yep, I, I, no, no, my demon. Yeah, yeah, I graduated 2017. This was summer 2018. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then you, gosh, you guys went through so much because you switched buildings, brought on yeah, partnerships. Yeah, 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 so much. And now, you mm. know what? Justin, I'm going to do something fun. Are you ready? Yeah, please do. We're going to go to a commercial break. And then when we come back, I want you I'll to talk about what you're studying right now because it blew my mind. I don't know if you're allowed to like reveal your thesis or is that like you keep it a secret, but the stuff that you're studying right now is incredible to me. And I want to hear a little bit about how that is going to be part of. Yeah, I can share a little. Yeah. 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 I can definitely Let's take a quick break first and then we'll share. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth. And this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church it's a podcast about change it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side you can listen wherever you get your podcast and if you want to be a guest yes you regular person you can be a guest on the speaking in church podcast if you want to come on just let us know Well, let's come back from our break. It is so, so interesting. So you're doing your work on what? What is the, what is the topic that you're studying? Because yeah. I think it's so fascinating. Yeah, I'm doing some postdoc work uh, with the, uh, the University of Leicester in England, working nice. under Professor George Lewis. He's a civil rights scholar on su- the Southern Manifesto and Massive Resistance after Brown v. Board of Education. I am uh, just looking into researching and writing on Harry Truman and this his the first ever committee created by executive order to study the problem of civil rights in America. This was the most significant step towards racial equality justice since Reconstruction. 
So, so think 18, uh, Reconstruction ended, what, so 1873, 1874? And so all the way up to 1946, 47 is when Truman takes the stage. And what happened was after the war, at, at black veterans were returning home, returning to southern towns. Sarah and I, are, we, grew up, we lived in Mississippi. We know those towns. We both lived in Mississippi. That's true. We, we, we both lived in Mississippi. So we know. So they're returning these towns. Many of them were being savagely beaten, tortured, and lynched because they are walking. They're, they're returning home with their uniforms, with their head high, their back straight. They freaking fought fascism in Europe and in, in, in freaking, you know, Italy. And now they're dealing, dealing with it in, in Jackson and Tupelo. You know, Birmingham. And so they started pushing back, but then there was also a white, a, a backlash. So I'm studying this committee and how this committee served as the blueprint for the civil rights generation. And really that committee cool was happening at UNC, right? Like at, in a local university? Uh, there, uh, the, the, one of the members was Dr. Frank Porter Graham, who was the president of UNC at the time. Yeah. Which is crazy wow. because UNC has not all, always been known for its uh, racial justice. We'll say that. And so for a white person to be so invested in such beautiful ways, yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, well, I will say, not in, in, to, not to push back on what you said, but because, um, yes, UNC Chapel Hill has a crap ton of work to do. Uh, but Chapel Hill, by and large, have been known to, to be a bit more yeah. progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Than, and, and especially in, even, in even North Carolina being more the upper south. Compared to you know Sarah, our cousins down in <laughs> you know down down in Biloxi, down it right, you know. Yeah. So it so so Chapel Hill was always been a bit more progressive, and Dr. Frank was a really he was a, uh, a staunch progressive liberal, Southern liberal, like in the South, and and was and was unashamed and vocal, and yeah, he served on the committee, and frankly, that committee cost him his reelection to the U.S. Senate in 1950. He was appointed senator in 49, and he served for a year. He ran for re-election, and he lost, and they brought up his service on the committee. Yeah. I, as I think about, like, your whole story and how it's, like, all over, this this deep passion of of having people know history because it affects our present. How do you feel like this stuff that you're studying is affecting Mm. your ministry? Because your ministry oh, is so gosh. beautifully like layered. And a lot of the people that we interview are like, they went, would have gone through what you went through and they give the church the middle finger. They don't um, – and, and, and that's fair. That's a fair answer. But you've decided to stick around and, and be a voice. And how do you feel like the work that you're doing – because you're also a, along with running a church, you're also a, like you work at a university as a chaplain. Yep, I'm a professor and a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know when you Did sleep. God give you more than 24 hours? Yeah, don't. <laughs> and he's also just, he also trains all the time. He's also a very present father. Like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know when Darrell sleeps. I'll be honest. Right. No, I sleep. No, it's usually about, no, but about, about, about 11. You have to sleep. That's like, hey, right? Because yeah, you got sleep. Bones oh, yeah. Break. Now I'm talking yeah, to right. two weightlifters. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I forgot. Yeah. No, sir. I got to sleep. I got to, my, my body has to, you know, recover. Your nervous system's got to mm-hmm. figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 I definitely have a lot of energy. I'll say that. I could be neurodivergent. I don't know. There is that. I, I've never been we tested. We are. Like, it, welcome to the party. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Neither of you us know? have finished a sentence since 1997. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
our poor editors are like, what part of the sentence do you want me to take? Oh, oh, that was really you funny. You want us to take out this part, huh? Oh, that was really funny. So when did the set start oh. and when does that end? We had a friend of ours who was doing, for a while, was doing our transcripts. And she was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> because the system that auto does it no because we finish each other's sure. sentences or we just like go on a tangent thought it's like how yeah, do we well know justin i'm sure it's how you you hang out with sarah the same thing happens to me when we yeah. hang out it's just yeah. like that's us. we get really excited to see each other and then we just kind of forget about time and topic <laughs> and we get and then we come back yeah. and like but yeah, all that to say how do you feel like the work that you're doing right now the stuff that you're studying how is that mm. going to affect this ministry that you've decided for yeah, now to stay you. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I consider myself a time traveler. I, I value time travel. And I believe the more I slip into the past, the more I'm able to see structures, reasons for things, how things were built, what what re, um, strategies are drawn? I'm, I'm I'm able to take the wisdom from the past, and I just bring it into the to the present where I am. I, I mean, it's so so okay. Jim mass incarceration, 1970s. You know, you watch uh, Ava uh, Ava DuVernier's documentary, Thirteenth, right? You start re- diving into the history of mass incarceration. Well, I I realize as a church, like we need to do something about it, and so now we do quarterly. Letter writing to the incarcerated, where we write letters to people who are locked up in Durham County Detention Center, incarcerated. And like we're having a in like in a moment of time correspondence, connection with some of our most vulnerable citizens in our society, the incarcerated. But that came from diving deep into our historical roots. And so it they're tributaries, I feel, that flow into a river of who we are. And and you gotta let it flow. I love that. Yeah. Do, you, do you find like people are open to hearing? I mean, the people that come to your church and then several times you and I have talked about when you go into the other spaces, because you get invited to talk at a lot of other church spaces. Yeah. Do yeah, you yeah. find that people are open to the kind of the understanding that all of this is how, how we view all of this is how we view God? Or do you feel like they're like, oh, this is a lot. Like, are people open to it? Are they open to this idea? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, we're in downtown Durham a week and a week ago at the Arts Collective. First time we did it in four since four years, and 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 we had out this black creative in Durham. We the, the place is packed. I mean, it's packed right on Main Street, and people are like, "Wait, wait, y'all are a church? Wait, wh- who are you?" I, I, I must have got that like seven times, and four of them came to church this Sunday. Ah, oh, <laughs> nice. that's awesome. Like, I'm just saying, I'm like, say, like, like you're just in the community and it's just like, people are like, wait, y'all, y'all got a partnership with Durham, y'all are partnering with Durham PD. Like, wait, y'all do these justice readings. You do, you're in the barbershops. Like, what are you doing? What are you and, doing in barbershops? So, well, so we were, so that was a, a variation. We used to do barbershop rap sessions where we would meet in a black owned barbershop and have a topic or a theme of discussion and have connection time about that. Oh, that's cool. That morphed into these conversations with, with uh, the police department. I, I wow. feel like white barbershops need to get more of that energy. <laughs> Facts, bro. Because Facts. Like, well, here's the thing. Yes. I typically for bro. a long time I had my hair cut usually by a woman in a salon because it's like, well, at least they'll talk to me. Like, uh-huh. oh. to, like a lot of like white barbershops, you go in there and it's like the mm. barbers talk to each other. 
while yeah. cutting your hair. You try to talk to them. It's like, whoa there, buddy. We're not yeah. on a date. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cutting your hair and you're leaving. That's, yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah. No, man. You know, Black Barbershops, man, it is a community event. Yeah. Yes. You yes. know, this is what it is, man. In some ways, it's church, it's right? Shit. Like, you go in. It's church. It's connection. It's what's it's actually church. happening in the neighborhood that all of us exist in. You know, my friend. And always, I got the idea from LeBron. It's not novel. I got it from LeBron's uh, The Shop that he does, his, his little TV show or whatever. It doesn't have to be a novel idea. It's just, it is, it's novel to do it in a community. It's novel to do it when you have been so hurt and harmed by the institution mm. for you to yeah. come mm. along and say, Yeah. I'm going to yeah. study the things when I've been told not to study. Like the thing that, like, yeah. you don't see as shocking, but Justin and I and other folks, I mean, Someone who is their their very education is considered a suspect by the people that he, they were working for, and and when you were working, you know, in policy, people just respected you, and then you come into a church environment, and mm-hmm. and and it's mm-hmm. suspect. Your education, yeah, your is. knowledge, the words that really you is. use, yeah, everything, mm-hmm. how you dress, how you dress. How you you're dress. a very fancy uh, dresser. Um, I often oh, feel like I have to you. step up my game around you, and <laughs> and this sense of like. All of that, and then you keep going. Like, you didn't let it stop you. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think about all the people that go to your church and they get to experience that. Like, you've never let other people decide who you are. Yeah. No, my my roommates would uh, would always say, Briscoe marches to the beat of his own drum. That's just just what he does. He's always been like, he's he's a weird, I'm a different duck. I don't know. I mean, I just... Thank you for that. First of all, I just received those words and I, and I will hold on to them. Like, because I, I don't want to just let that just go by. Like, like, thank you. Like you accurately described my journey and it's, it, it has, it's been challenging. I, I am still shocked that I'm still in ministry, but here I am. What keeps you, you know? in? Mm, I'll tell you. Being grounded in the community. Yeah. Being, it being, being in the neighborhood and for a little while there, maybe 2021 coming out. So Justin, we got started as a church over first weekly service, January, 2020, okay. <laughs> 10 weeks later, <laughs> virtual 16 months. Yeah. So we kind of get back, we kind of get back started 2020, wow. late 2021, 2020 was just kind of chugging along, man. And honestly, y'all, I was unhappy. I just, it, we, we, we became Methodist and we had a little building. We were into this, entering this little partnership with these other churches and it's wonderful stuff. But it felt like we were just doing church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, and I, in mid-20, summer 22, I'm like, Trace, I, I've got to change. We've got to get back to that grind, those roots that we had when we were first, when I was calling freaking 427 people, mm-hmm. telling them the vision of what we want to do in Durham, in the community. Like, I, I, like and I'm like, Trace, I, I lost that. Yeah. I think the, like, and I'm just being just mad and vulnerable, man. I mean, just like, I don't know what you call it, the pandemic, call it ptsd from the pandemic I, whatever <laughs> yeah it just messed me up man and it and, I, and it and it just cut my connection to the city yeah, yeah. I, I feel so like now we're back have some kind of low level trauma sure oh for sure ptsd oh, whatever I, I, for they'll sure probably even have a name for it at some point because it's not sure it was just this continual oh and and justin and the all the time political administration at the Politi- time it was just a new come on man. it was a new a new, it's my podcast. It was a new shit show every day. 
Like, literally <laughs> every day. What was literally it? every day. They said it was like and Star Wars. No, Star Trek when he would be like, status report. They were like, yeah. every morning you wake up and you're like, status report. <laughs> yeah. What the no, fuck yeah, is going yeah. this time? No, yeah. no, sure. And and I have and I have friends that like I don't know how they sustained the willful level of ignorance about like masking and basic hygiene. Oh, like yeah. I had people you you lift weights. I had dude bros that were like licking dumbbells, like rusty old dumbbells, because they were going to exercise their immune system. And I'm like, buddy, oh that's not gosh. how an immune system yeah. works. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, it's just like, yeah. it, but it's just like, and that it, by itself, it's like, oh, you can kind of laugh at, but that every single day on small levels like that and then big levels in politics and the world and you know january 6th you know january 6th yeah and and yeah we're all just like tired (laughs) and then i gotta go to work that day i remember january 6th i like i'm like i'm watching the government fall and i'm getting emails (laughs) the government fall oh my god and i'm like am i supposed to answer (laughs) these emails like what is the protocol? We're, yeah. we're watching democracy crum- crumble. I'm like, hey, Jenny, do you want that TPS report? Yes. And yes. Like, yes. What? Yeah. What? Like January 7th, I had to like lead meetings for some whatever. I don't even know. And I'm like, God. do we? Should but, we take but what is that? But Justin, what does that tell us about our capacity as a country? Yeah. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. It's it's interesting too how your realization that like your separation from community was yeah. the part that like yep. made yep. you go, if I don't get connected yep. to the community, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Can't do it. Yeah. Do it. I, no. I had a weird experience today, guys, that I just, it popped in my head. It's really funny because Darrell was actually on the call. He was one of the first people to know I was leaving ministry. <laughs> I come oh, on this wow. call with pastors yep. and I'm like, I wrote my resignation today. And they're like, hello? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? But I loved my little community and I, I loved it so much. And there was so much greatness about it. But one of the cool things I got to do in the community is create a mural that it says what solves homelessness. And when you turn the corner, it, the building looks like a like the inside of someone's living room and it says home sweet home. And then there is an image that looks like a guy that in the community is known as Santa Bob. And he once was unsheltered. And then now he works for the mayor on the housing committee. And he is like a big part of United Way. And he's just this incredible story. And the guy who painted it is actually this guy who does portraits of those who are unhoused. Cool, cool story. Really excited that I got to do that. And I kind of forgot about it. Like that was like 2020, Sarah. Today I was running with my run club because my new church that I go to (laughs) in some ways is that I run with a run team. And we have a Sunday morning run, and I never could do it when I was a pastor. And so, um, once I yeah. left, I started running oh, that's with them cool. on the beach. Uh, no, I do do that on I do that on Saturdays. Sundays is the coffee run. We run from a coffee shop, Milligram. It's great if you're in the area. Uh, so we ran today, and um, we often run to murals. And I'm just talking, and I don't realize that our leader is running us to my church, and we run up, and I'm at my church, and people are like, "This mural is so cool." And I just blurred out, I helped design it. And I like had this moment where I missed feeling like I was so ingrained in community. And it's the right. reason that I love my job at the coffee company because they let me do stuff that gathers community and, and spaces and be creative around that stuff. But it was a powerful moment. And I can see why that for you is like, okay, it, what keeps me in it is that I am deeply connected to the community. How do you see 
your students like because you're you're teaching so you you're, yep. you're teaching in person right oh i am yeah yeah mm-hmm. so how do you see your students just thinking about this idea of being deeply rooted in community and these are these little these guys are science experiments they went through a pandemic came yeah, out and they're wow. having to learn how to wow adult yeah. how do you think mm-hmm. that's affected them how do you feel like mm. our work is whatever we are in the community, ex-pastors, some of us, some people are still in church. Like, how do we deal with this generational trauma almost? Like like you said, Justin, there's no one that's not low level like, Ugh. I hosted the Duke watch game, watch party yesterday for Duke versus UNC. And a bunch of um, younger, they graduated between 2020 and 2022. So oh. a bunch of them never had a graduation. Right. Yeah. And we're a people of ritual. Yeah. Wow. So what do you Sarah, think? I don't know the I don't yeah. I don't know I, listen, I'm this is my first year. I've been lucky enough to teach a couple classes. I I'm I'm chaplain as university chaplain, so I'm, I've had a lot of one-on-ones. I'll say this, I've definitely sensed a lot of anxiety. Hmm. A lot of a lot of anxiety, yeah. deep deep anxiety. I don't know how to I'm new to this, so I don't have a good answer to that, but that's what I'm sensing. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing. And, and I, and you, and I'm also hearing, yeah. Like, like when you talk to them, like, yeah, when junior, my junior year was 2020. I was like, wait, you were in high school during the pandemic. Like you, like your prom and all this, like how is, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a it, it feels like people still aren't adjusted. Maybe mm. that's what it's like. Maybe that's yeah. my thing. That's my diagnosis. I don't know. Yeah, it, well, and it's 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 the thing where you're there's a part of us it's like we want to go back to where it was like 2019, yeah. Justin, like yep. missed that guy. Yep. But there's also a sense that like okay, there there is no there's no going you can't go back. Yep. Like there's no going back, and so how do you how do you readjust? And I think I think this will be. I hope this is the worst thing that happens for a while. Um, I that right? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I, I mean, was, ask the people in Ukraine. Yeah, my hopes and oh, prayers for true. 2023 was that it would, would not be newsworthy. I Look, would like a just a precedented year. A precedent. Yeah. I would like this to be precedented. Yeah. Just, well, I think too, as I think about like your story of all the shifts that you guys have yeah. had to negotiate, all the times that you've had to like change course. I think having you as a pastor or having you in the community it allows people to imagine something different. Like, oh, things can be really hard. And my imagination, sometimes when things are really hard, our imagination gets very small. Like that you would be like part of, you know, post-grad work in England is not something that the people in Florida could even imagine. And so someone like you is just an imagination creator. Like you just make it bigger. And I think... I think about your students who their imagination got really small for a while, guys, because we were like in one house. It was hard to be creative during this time, right? Some people were really creative during this time. There was like some comedian that someone talked about very early on in the show that like did all this stuff from inside the house, right? Like some people were really creative, but like figuring out how to be okay with transition and see it as potential is such a different thing. And I think so many people who are listening our secret listeners who are thinking about quitting or those folks who are like trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how do I keep going? 
Like, do you have in these last couple of minutes, do you have like a bit of advice in it? Is there some way there is there like what's the Durrell magic throwing around really weight, really heavy weights? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I found the cultivation of passion projects have a way of simultaneously rooting me and rejuvenating me. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just that's it. I mean, for me, I, it, whether it's my riding my Corvette on the Bluers Parkway, top down with the every you know wearing flannel everything. And, you know, or if it's, it's tending to like my 137 plants around my house, like, I don't know. It's just like, mm-hmm. I just found that like pers- the pursuit and cultivation of projects that give me passion that I follow my interests, like it has a weird way of flowing back into this river of being of, of me, of, and so I don't know, like that's, that, that's my advice, y'all. Like, I love you, that. Like, like, like for real, get after that passion project, y'all. Like for real, like get after it, like make it happen I, now. I, I, that's such good advice because I think, I think particularly, I mean, I would, I'm not going to diagnose this necessarily as a white problem, but most problems are white problems. Like, <laughs> like but, you can say that as a white but it's, cisgender it's man. In the deconstruction space, okay. I feel like it when you're deconstructing your faith, when you're leaving ministry, even like that becomes just the all consuming thing that you think about. It's just a daily existential crisis. And so I think that that, that advice of like, okay, God and ministry is not working out for you, but maybe the garden will. Yo, like, boom, you know, or maybe lifting some weights will, it's an hour of your day where something makes sense. And I think because that was that was me when I was first out. It was just like I I'm gonna stare at my navel for way too long, and then it's like, well, I've got kids that gotta eat. So how do yeah. I, yeah, how do I take those steps? And I think that when you have something you have to do, even if it's something as like, actually, it's not silly. I was gonna say it's silly, but I think sometimes the ministry mindset makes everything but ministry silly, and I think that that's mm. wrong. I think it's not silly to tend your garden or take your dog for a walk or do basic human things. Yeah, so that's really good advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it makes yeah. it opens yeah. it up to creativity. Like, I think in a weird way, that was kind of the gift of COVID was people mm. were. That's right. That's I mean, right. it is a tr- right. guys. It's going to go down in history. Is absolutely terrible. However, there was and I guess we'd say and and um, people did find passion projects. My friend became Mm -hmm. like the best sourdough bread you have ever had this man makes now. (laughs) And like he never knew that was a thing that he would even want to do. And it was a joke. And he was like, I did it because it was like a stereotype that everyone was doing it. And now like, like I tend my sourdough, whatever they call that stuff, guys, that starts the sourdough. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of comments on this. I have no idea what it's called. And and just like to and I think we've we've let go of that. It's like we started to get back into, quote unquote, regular time and so we need to be like hustling doing the the thing but i love this idea that if you are following your curiosity and following mm. your passion projects mm-hmm. you are able to maintain in those other spaces and it's absolutely inspiring mm. so i am so grateful for you is there anything else you would like to share with us just a anything Buy your um, book. Get you, get you. No, no, no. Get get some plants. <laughs> you are such a plant <laughs> dad some, these days. No, no. That's get some great. plants, y'all. Like start off small. Like if you're get like a snake plant, you can water them like once a month. But and they're they're beautiful. They like stand up really straight. 
So get you like a couple snake plants, some ZZs. Those are kind of really easy to take care of. Yeah. I love that our other friend, we came over to your house like last time I was in North Carolina. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Darrell's, he started like his new hobby is plants. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. And then got in there. He looks at me. He's like, this is a hobby because it's like a jungle. <laughs> it's a, it's a jungle. <laughs> and I you know everything about them. I just love that. I had a friend in college. She, her dad got into orchids. Like, Ooh. and when you get into orchids, sure, you, you don't just have one. And yeah. so uh, she was actually getting married. And so a bunch of us came into town to like, you know, for the wedding. And I was going to stay at her parents' house. And they have a guest room. But is it an orchid room? It was a, it was like it became an orchid room. Like <laughs> wow. there were just orchids. I'm not even kidding. Everywhere. Like the bed was <laughs> like they had wood over the bed. Completely covered with orchids. Everything was orchids everywhere. So like you're wow. sleeping on the couch, the orchids get the bed. It's like, okay. Okay, I'm going to admit something wow. that I don't tell a lot of people, and now I'm about to tell everyone who listens to oh. this. I don't like orchids. Oh. You don't have to like orchids. Someone gave me- I don't no, like them anymore. One of my favorite <laughs> parishioners back when I was a pastor gave me an orchid, and I tried to keep it alive, and it died, obviously, because I <laughs> am a hospice caregiver for plants. But I <laughs> was just like, oh, no. And then finally, like, I admitted to someone, I was like, I don't actually like orchids. Aesthetically. Is that bad? I don't think that's bad. Okay. You mm. love what you it's love. Preference. You know? It's preference. It's preference. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to our um, silly conversation that wasn't silly. And I joke, but I don't joke. Uh, I absolutely loved your book. So Harold Durrell Briscoe is your name on the book, yeah? You can find on Amazon. Where's the best place for them to buy it? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. And uh, it is a really just insightful and wonderful book. So, And thank you so much for giving us your time. You are obviously a very yeah. busy person. So thank you for joining us. And um, if you're looking for – if people are looking for you, how do they find you and the work that you do? Yeah, just at Dr. Briscoe. Follow me on Insta, at Dr. Briscoe. And if you're interested in plants, my my dual vinyl vines and DJ and vibe, you can follow me at vinyl vines and vibe, which is all my it's my my like my, my plant page. No longer the, is it your jazz? You don't have your jazz. Oh, I changed it. I changed the the mod- Yeah, it's now vinyl vines and vibes, and now I'm, d- d- I'm DJ Triple V. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're enjoying the conversations you hear on recovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in what's known as the recovery room on discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to be a part of this community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and that gives you access to the community resources as well as it helps us to be able to produce the show. Check it out on patreon.com slash revcarberry. Now we know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are so many ways you can support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you are currently listening, and make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Revcarberry Room is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's our handle. So come find us and let's keep the conversation going. On to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Revcovery. I wanted to leave with a poem by the poet Hafez, or Hafiz, if you're feeling fancy. Hafiz was a Sufi mystic. I've shared his poetry before. 
but I wanted to share this one because I think it fit a bit with what we talked about today. And I was always, I was impressed by Darrell's commitment to community. And there wasn't much religious talk generally. I mean, obviously we're talking about religious things. We're talking about church, but, but community was what came to the forefront. And I think some, a bit of happiness comes from letting go of our religious demands and embracing uh, that which is around us. And so I'm going to read just a quick poem by the poet Hafiz called Stop Being So Religious. Here it is. Stop being so religious. What do sad people have in common? It seems they have all built a shrine to the past and often go there to do a strange wail and worship. What is the beginning of happiness? It is to stop being so religious like that. So many of you in this recovery community have stopped being religious like that. And while it has brought a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty and a lot of transitions, I, I hope for you that it has also brought the beginning of true happiness and joy as a human on this world. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.